And we're back once more with Fix the Money. Nico, good sir. How goes it? Hey, Yael. How are you doing? You know, I'm doing pretty good. I've had a couple of issues uh, trying to get the lightning nodes up to date and all kinds of problems. Uh, it seems those ordinals have uh, really wrecked a lot of uh, channels and stuff on lightning. So that's been taking up a lot of my time. So it's a lot of troubleshooting. Uh, but instead of fixing lightning nodes, we're talking about fix the money today. We're talking about American politics and Canadian politics. And we jump right in because you just told me that there has been a Canadian Bitcoiner who was elected to be something. Was elected to be something, yes. Okay, so for uh, for those who may not be in the know of uh, strange provincial politics in Canada, uh, we just had an election in the province of Alberta, the money state, and this is where all the oil comes from. And there's been an election now for Danielle Smith. So she is the head of the United Conservative Party. She was formerly of the Wild Rose Party. She did a little stint on talk radio where she interviewed uh, many good Bitcoiners about Bitcoin, about mining, about the ability to not be canceled while using Bitcoin. Wait, wait, wait. wait. There's a governor in, in Canada right now who is basically a Bitcoin podcaster. So she, no, well, she had a radio show, but it was also available as a podcast. It was called The Danielle Smith Show. Yeah, it's great. So essentially, you had a left-wing government, NDP, essentially uh, socialist Democrats, you can call them, or, or whatever it might be, and they lost, and then there was a new leader, she came in, and then there was a leadership election, Danielle Smith was put in there for a little bit. It was very testy, because it was the end of COVID stuff, so a lot of, really, her focus so far has been on essentially trying to get Alberta back in working order, trying to respond to all these um, typical asks and requests from the Canadian government when it comes to the COVID passports and all the rest. Uh, but now she's actually won a full and clear mandate, majority government. And she's on the record as someone who's very open to Austrian economics. She knows very much all about Hayek. She knows very much of the ills of uh, central planning, of money printing, and has had many, many good things to say about Bitcoin, both in her past political life uh, on her media stint on radio, and then also in her current uh, role sort of as the uh, premier, as we say, of Alberta, Canada. So how, why did she get elected? Is, is, is Alberta like not as leftist as the rest of the country? Alberta is the Texas of Canada. Uh, it is where all the money is in terms of oil, in terms of production. Uh, usually these are solid uh, conservative blue areas and federal elections. So essentially, Alberta is a, a huge economic powerhouse and represents a lot of the economic input and money and investment. And for a long time, when they had a left-wing government, you did not have any kind of focus on the oil industry, on exporting that oil. And that's uh, one of the reasons why the conservatives and Danielle Smith in particular is in there. And she's also been great because if you guys know Canada a little bit, it's a decentralized country. The provinces have a lot of power. You know, we're not talking about the governor of Salzburg or whatever. We're talking about like the actual premier of a province where premiers actually have most of the power. So she can actually oppose a lot of things that Justin Trudeau is trying to do. Carbon taxes, bans on mining, if that ever comes to fruition. Uh, but then she can also advocate for certain things like Bitcoin, which, again, she has done. It's a new reign. 
It's a new uh, era of her government, so we'll see what actually happens and what can be done. But I do think it's very interesting and positive for Bitcoiners overall. And I know there's a pretty active, um, there's an active community in Alberta. I think they're having like another Bitcoin rodeo in uh, Calgary in a couple of weeks, or maybe that's in fall, I don't remember. But uh, it's definitely good for uh, some Canadian plebs because there hasn't really been any, (laughs) too many positive uh, news stories as of late. And do we know anything about her plans? I mean, does she have any specific Bitcoin-related plans politically? So she's not going to have Bitcoin-related plans a la uh, RFK or Vivek or any of the American um, political candidates who've talked about this. Uh, It's more that she does recognize the the evils of money printing. Uh, What does it mean? Well, it's also kind of what do you want a premier to do? You know, can you figure out the best policy that you want someone to have if they were a Bitcoiner? Uh, I think there are various arguments on either side. I think if she just is publicly someone who supports Bitcoin, I think that's grand and dandy. And I think that's kind of all we need. We don't really need political favors. Uh, We just need to be sure that the asset is protected, that people are able to mine, people are able to run nodes, people are able to transact in it. And that is something that she can do at the provincial level. So she could technically pass something that would protect your ability to use Bitcoin, you know, at the grocery store with your hairdresser, between friends and business contracts. That That is something that she could do. Uh, but again, it's not necessarily the thing that she should do. I think being publicly in support of Bitcoin for now, I think is enough. And I would say she should probably put more of her focus on opposing uh, Trudeau and his antics at the federal level, because that's going to be increasingly important. Uh, We know what happened with the Freedom Convoy. We know what happened with uh, the shutdowns of all of the accounts. So I I think to have a stalwart and an opposition voice within the country is something that's very good. Do we know anything about um, Bitcoin mining in Alberta? Is it it a big industry? Is Is it even there? So Bitcoin mining in Alberta is not as big. It's actually bigger in other parts of the country. Um, oddly enough, my, my home province of Quebec, which is ten, tends to be very socialist, they have um, essentially hydroelectricity French, for free. Right? Well, that too. <laughs> but they, ha- they have basically free hydroelectricity. So that is through Hydro-Québec, which is the state-run uh, sort of energy supplier. So they have a lot of dams. There's a lot of hydroelectricity that usually you can use very cheaply. Unfortunately, that's kind of been thrown into turmoil. Uh, That company, Hydro-Quebec, has said we will not allow certain crypto mining projects. They just don't want industrial-size Bitcoin mining projects like they have in Texas. But so far, a lot of it has been based there. Um, We're seeing it pop up a little bit more in Alberta. There are some in uh, British Columbia as well. Uh, Yeah, but regardless, we don't have the big mining industry yet. That said... A lot of the products and services and a lot of the innovators in the mining space who happen to be Canadian also happen to be in Alberta. So I think Steve Barber, he does uh, upstream data. They do all these you know, huge rigs that you can install in your house and have your miner. You can heat your pool. So there's a lot of like entrepreneurship around mining that's definitely in Alberta. As to what's the percentage of the hash rate, yeah, it's not, not as much as compared to other provinces. So that is actually... It does sound a lot more optimistic about Bitcoin politics than um, what I've read from you in your article about RFK. So what's his name? Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who, who did this this pretty amazing speech in um, uh, Bitcoin 2023 in Miami. I, I watched the speech. 
I don't know anything about the guy. So I like the speech, right? But I also know that politicians, um, you know, one of their core skills is to tell the people what they want to hear in any specific moment. Um, and the things that he said about Bitcoin were um, super, yeah, super. They were they were pretty spot on. And I think you you acknowledge that in, in your in your article. But you also said that he's quote unquote batshit insane, and he had some crazy crazy ass politics and policies that he supported in the past. So what's the deal with him? So we're talking about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And oddly enough, he's not really a politician. Um, you wouldn't think so looking at his name. And obviously his his dad was Robert uh, F. Kennedy Sr. And he was shot when he was running for president. You have his uncle, JFK, who was president and was also assassinated. So you would assume he's in the political world. Uh, but really he hasn't been. He's mostly been an attorney. Uh, he started out just kind of working in uh, city, sort of as a city attorney in New York, and then just fell into environmental uh, legal affairs, uh, mostly after he was busted with heroin and uh, he had a big uh, police sting on him. But, but since that time, he's really just been in the environmental world. So he's been very busy promulgating lawsuits against companies, industries, individuals. So he's he hasn't been a politician. He's been involved in politics. And most of that has really come down on stopping energy projects. So the hydroelectricity production that I told you is is actually fueling and sourcing a lot of the mining that's happening in Quebec. And there are a lot of warehouse miners there. Think of the company Bitfarms or something. So RFK has actually like advocated and filed lawsuits to stop hydroelectricity in Quebec. He's tried to stop wind farms in Massachusetts, the state where he's originally from. Wait, wait, wait. Why would he file lawsuits to do something in Canada to stop? Well, it, he, he sort of, his organization, his group, uh, his law firm, because he was um, what we call an injury attorney in the United States. So the U.S. is very crazy with lawsuits. Everybody knows that. You know, you, you spill the hot McDonald's on your lap and you get a million dollars from McDonald's, right? That's kind of the... That, that's how it happens. That, that's, that, that's just what it is, right? Okay. Well, that, that was a real case, so that's why people know that. But we have a very a highly litigious culture in the United States, meaning people are very willing to take you to court. It's much cheaper than it is in other countries to bring people to court. And everywhere you go, you see billboards up on the highway, you see TV ads, Everything is about suing people. <laughs> so there's definitely a culture of that. And we have a particular class in the U.S. that we usually call the uh, trial attorneys or the um, injury lawyers. Uh, the other term is ambulance chasers, if you've ever heard that term. I have. I have. So that's essentially if, if you have a car wreck and you know, ever you get hit, they're gonna, there's going to be a lawyer who's going to go and be there and try to sue the person and get you a bunch of money. And essentially, it's insurance that's paying. So they're just suing the insurance companies. It's a huge racket in the United States. It has been for a long time. And RFK is right smack in the middle of that. So he's had a lot of stuff, you know, lawsuits against Monsanto and DuPont. Uh, he's, he advocated for the ban on fracking in the state of New York. He advocated for the shutdown of the nuclear reactor plant that's just north of New York City called Indian Point. He's tried to stop the Dakota Access Pipeline. He protested and sued against the Keystone XL Pipeline. I mean, that's the, the kind of stuff that we were talking about in Canada. Why we haven't had such huge economic growth is we haven't been able to export the oil. Well, you can also kind of thank 
uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. for that. Uh, also, he happens to be a huge praiser of uh, terrible socialist regimes like Venezuela, like Cuba. And I think the most pertinent part to Bitcoin world is that he's essentially called for the jailing or killing of oil industry executives and anyone who stands with them. Now, it sounds a bit insane, but there are plenty of videos. This was his talking point for years and years. Oil industry executives, Koch brothers, Exxon, Chevron, they should all be in jail because they cause climate change. And then anybody who aligns with them, uh, whether it be think tanks or, you know, I don't know, Bitcoin miners who run on oil rigs or something like that, uh, they should also be thrown in jail. So I think it's just the general kookiness about RFK as a political figure he somehow has come to Jesus, as it were, with the orange coin in recent months. So he says at Bitcoin 2023, it's about the Canadian Freedom Convoy that we just mentioned, where they shut down everyone's bank accounts and they were trying to track everybody's Bitcoin. I believe him. And I think he overall, everything he stated on Bitcoin is overwhelmingly good. I think he's got some of the best advisors who are talking to him about this. He understands pleb culture. He understands running nodes. He seems to not have a problem with Bitcoin mining, which I find a bit strange when you compare it to his decades and decades of work as an environmental lawyer. But overall, he's someone who is running in the Democratic primary against a sitting president, against Joe Biden. That said, his poll numbers are not bad. Someone who's at 20 or 30 percent so far. Wait, 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 wait. So he, is there a chance that this guy could beat Biden to the Democratic nomination? I mean, technically, sure. If he's able to beat Biden in some of these uh, state primaries, yeah, he definitely could. And there is going to be state primaries. Is there, that what happens still, there even if will there is be. a sitting president? So there will be, uh, but it's really up for debate. So, for instance, with Trump— there are a lot of states that just opted not to have any primary at all because they said, well, Trump is already our guy. So you had people who had come out against him. Uh, you had Bill Weld. You had uh, Mark Sanford in South Carolina who used to be governor. So you had a lot of people who said, we're going to run, run against Trump. But then many of the state parties, because, again, the thing to remember about the U.S. is it's not a public primary uh, election. All of the primaries are technically run by the political parties. There's nothing about it in the Constitution. It's technically not run by the government. It is run by the parties. Um, you know, they contract with the local secretaries of state and stuff to run the election. But essentially, these are private affairs. It's a private vote that you're supposed to do. I see. I see. So there is a chance. And, and the polling numbers are what? Like within, within people who would be able to vote in the primary? Or is that like within people who vote uh, for, for, for the president in the end? So these are uh, basically the technical... These are polls that are done on Democratic primary okay. voters. So people who normally vote in that. I mean, he's he's been able to get... Again, like anywhere between 10 to 25 percent based on the poll. Um, one of them was Emerson College poll late April. He was at 21 percent. I mean, that's pretty big in a an election where you're going against a sitting president. That being said, Biden is not at all popular. There's not a lot of people who are like going out and being super excited about this guy. Uh, but it might just be if Trump is the person on the other side. It could just end up being a very boring 80-year-old versus 80-year-old 
uh, and then it's all about abortion election. Wait, Trump is not 80. Trump is definitely 80. Trump age. Hit me, Google. Oh, no, 76. Okay. Yeah, but okay. He's okay, always... so he's a spry. He'll be a spry 77 years old. <laughs> uh, actually, he'll be 78 by the time the the, the actual election actually happens. So uh, basically the same age as, as Biden was. Very spry. Oh, so yeah. so what, what are you saying about RFK is that he is basically, I mean, is there a chance that he's you know coming around and, and leaving some of his, his past behind in order to appeal to 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 voters more um, especially in rural areas where they're not going to be um, on his side when it comes to the energy and and you know because he's is is Bitcoin can Bitcoin be part of that uh, because he's he's he was very proud about being the first um, the first presidential campaign to accept donations in Bitcoin yeah just because he did it thirty minutes before Vivek <laughs> well he's the first uh, this is true and you know it's interesting because I've I've covered. Bitcoin politicians, I feel like forever. So the first Bitcoin politician I covered, it was a state uh, house guy who was running for state house in Vermont. And he accepted Bitcoin in 2012. And he had his buddy that came up with a website and they had this whole thing. And I talked to him about it at the time because I was like, you know, weird into Bitcoin uh, later in 2013 and like talking to him about it. He said, well, look, obviously this is going to be a money of the future. It's got to be great. You know, his plank was not a Bitcoin plank. You know, he didn't have like ideas about Bitcoin at the time. It was mostly about radical democracy. And I think that's the angle that Kennedy takes. It's about radical democracy. He seems to be painting himself as an old school liberal, more of a classical, a classical liberal of European uh, fare, I would probably say. Someone more like an FDP uh, or something like that. I do think, though, that so FDP would be the German the, the Free Democrats in, in Germany, yeah. And I think with, with it's interesting because I don't think the Bitcoin contingent, like the constituency of Bitcoiners, if you're, you know, look, we're not like the Vietnamese community in Miami or something. Like there's, it's, you can't look down on paper and say, well, we know we're going to get 2 million votes if we say good things about Bitcoin. So this is a very... I think it's a strategic thing, but it's also a meshing to where he probably, yes, is very personally convinced on Bitcoin. Um, he is definitely using his notoriety to go on to many different podcasts or media outlets and also talk about Bitcoin. Uh, I think the problem with RFK, apart from the kookiness on the energy ideas, is that he gets caught up a lot in vaccine stuff, which agree or disagree for the mainstream takes up most of the energy in the room. So they barely talk about Bitcoin with him, at least in mainstream interviews, which, again, we're at an interesting juncture running for president 2023, 2024. As Trump shows, you don't really need to have traditional media anymore. You can do it all on social media. You can do it you know, on podcast and interviews. You can do it on podcasting 2.0, which you might be listening to uh, right here for Fix the Money and hit that boost button. Nice, nice shield, man. <laughs> um, yes, but thank you if you if you boost our our show. I mean, it means a lot. And um, we, we we just talked about our our upcoming plans. We're going to double down on the on the Substack. We're going to double down on the podcast. Um, maybe do less less video on YouTube because because um, you know algorithms algorithms. And there's many many people doing that. We want to do some things a bit different. So sub subscribe to to the Substack. It means the world. But um, besides that, 
I mean, it is interesting looking at this, uh, and it's hard for me to 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 understand um, if this is a big deal because I look at everything through the the lens of Bitcoin these days, right? And then you have this uh, DeSantis guy, and where's he from? Florida, right? He's the governor of Florida. Um, so so you see, so you see in the, in the U.S. right now, I mean, you have you have candidates for for the presidency talking about Bitcoin very very positively, uh, making it a, a political topic that they actually support um, and then DeSantis and some others have also passed laws banning CBDCs from their from their um, states right which is crazy to me we've, we've heard about governments banning Bitcoin for 14 years now and now they turn around and ban um, you know GovCoin um, and they ban it before it even exists it's it's for me as a European where not, none of this is happening we are running exactly in the other direction but I don't even want to go into what's happening in Europe right now because it's so interesting what's happening in the US I mean theoretically if, if, if RFK beats Biden which it's not going to happen but theoretically and if DeSantis beats Trump we're going to have two pro-Bitcoin candidates running against each other yeah and I think I don't know if they would have different Bitcoin visions in the end, but um, I do have to give a shout out to Ron DeSantis when he announced because he, he did it on a Twitter space. Um, and rest easy, folks. He wants to protect the ability for you people to, quote, do Bitcoin. So I'm, I, li- I like I like the phrasing. I'm We're doing do, Bitcoin, I'm man. I'm <laughs> doing Bitcoin. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a little fun thing. I, I think that's true. It's interesting. You know, he's obviously a bit interested in it, follows it. He knows it's been good for Florida. There's been a lot of investment in Miami that has come from Bitcoin companies. I mean, there's been obviously a lot of crypto NFT stuff as well. And there's been a lot of investment. But I think he understands the difference, knows that Bitcoin is important. For RFK, though, he really has gone into the most detail of it. So the other Republican uh, sort of candidate is uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. Yeah, the thing is, I haven't asked you about him because you you mentioned his name, but it's the first time I ever heard about him. Okay, so he's running as well in the Republican presidential primary. So he's going up uh, also against Trump and against DeSantis. So he also is at Bitcoin 2023. He also threw up his QR code for his Lightning node where you could donate uh, via Lightning. Um, bit of a long shot candidate, but you know he used to be like a biochemistry, biopharm executive and essentially left Silicon Valley because it got, quote, too woke. So he's been doing <laughs> he's been doing a lot of the anti-woke stuff kind of professionally, I'd say, for five years or something. So he's a big fixture on many different podcasts, and you know, he's, I think he wrote a couple books. So he's, he's definitely been out there. He's very much against ESG, these kind of things. So I like he, him. Yeah, so he, I think on a lot of issues, he's good. He goes a bit out there on, on things like the border, sending in the military, and... A lot of stuff is a bit out of the box, which I think is necessary. So I, I can't speak for any of his chances. But overall, it's interesting. And finally, we have somebody who is 37 years old running for president who has already raised a couple mil. So I think that's good. Good God. Finally, somebody who would technically be the first millennial uh, presidential candidate. That's interesting. Better than AOC, but way to go, buddy. Well, AOC is still not old enough to to you know ruin the country just yet right i think it'll be 35 is that right is that the rule yeah she's getting there though uh, what was was that last time that she wasn't old enough is she already that, is she already 
technically oh old boy enough. 33 ah, you know technically october she could technically actually yes run for no she couldn't do it this year she sorry couldn't. so she's she's preparing you know and she couldn't even she couldn't run against biden anyway that would be that would be too much right no I, i think she lost a lot of her flame but you know this is the kind of thing that is so unnerving about many uh Bitcoin issues in politics is that you would think the most progressive people would be so on board with the way that it is. And this is what RFK said. It's not controlled by corporations and it's not controlled by government. So that's why he likes it. Why doesn't the rest of the leftist brigade join? Fix the Money is brought to you by 21 Bitcoin, the easy way to buy, sell, save and send Bitcoin. 21 Bitcoin is a Bitcoin only app, not an exchange. There's no distractions. There's an individual savings plan, very low fees, first-class personal support, and a German bank account. Based in the Austrian Alps, it's available now throughout Europe. Download now using the code FIXTHEMONEY to get up to 20% off your fees over there on 21bitcoin.app. Not your keys, not your coins. You need a hardware wallet signing device. Check out the Bitbox O2. Swiss made, secure, beautiful, open source, Tor support, Bitcoin only, and an all around outstanding product. Use the code FIXTHEMONEY on shiftcrypto.ch to get 5% off. That's the Bitbox O2. Fix the money. This is something that that has been a big topic in the in the German um, speaking world as well. Um, we don't have we don't have politicians or as many politicians who talk about this it's not a political topic on any level like like it is in the US um and there is many reasons for that i think but the question why do progressives not um get into bitcoin is 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 one that is you know asked all the time it's asked all the time i mean we have this this huge this this um republica have you ever heard about republica it's this huge um like tech internet um, event that's happening every year in Germany and it's very very intellectual and super leftist and it's done by um, Netzpolitik. Netzpolitik is one of those leftists. So there's a strong like leftist even socialist internet scene in Germany um, that this goes back to the I think Chaos Computer Club and and the thing about them is that they hate Bitcoin and they hate um, crypto and they don't even differentiate because You, it would be too much of to ask uh, from them and they really they just hate it and and we had this article by the guy who is the the the, the head writer like the the the, the editor in chief for nets politics nets politics who have done this for many years and he has just you know written this op-ed that was is just absolutely insane he basically argued yeah you know um He doesn't like Bitcoin and he likes the euro because he, when he, he he wakes up and he knows that one euro is one euro, it's it's it's, it's it really it reads like a satire, but it's not a satire. And you can read that he has never done the work on Bitcoin. He doesn't have he hasn't done the work on 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 um, on crypto at all. And and then in the end he says, yeah, you know. There, there is this, this, this um, surveillance capitalism. You know, Apple, Google, all those people, and we now need to formulate our, our. Um, we need to formulate 
our wishes for the digital euro, for the CBDC, because that's the way out. So he basically, he paints the surveillance coin that is CBDC as, as a way out of the surveillance, because he basically, he literally wants surveillance socialism instead of surveillance capitalism, but he does not want no surveillance. So he's not going the route of, you know, technology can fix this if we, if we open up to Bitcoin, and that the guy who's running a, a digital freedom rag online for years and is doing the biggest show in 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 germany on this um he he doesn't want uh bitcoin to succeed he doesn't not want um you know a decentralized internet anymore because and this is the thing why why don't these people want it i think is it is because they would not matter anymore that's that's the truth the truth is that you have an industry of experts and pundits and talking heads who specialize in telling the government um, what to do. And so his route is the exact opposite route of the cypherpunks. It's the route that we know does not work, that we empirically know does not work. He wants to go to the state and talk to the politicians, you know, maybe spin up a whole, uh, some, some, maybe not him, but there is a couple of other people who want to make money from CBDCs by, you know, selling some technology or some whatever. And I think that's the same, that's the truth for most institutionalized progressives who have a vested interest in being, you know, experts on stuff, right? Um, they don't want any solution to the problem. I think that there is young people who follow these these progressives who actually do want solutions to problems and they are going to be open to Bitcoin at some point because, because people will, you know, um, passionately argue with them until they get convinced. But the people like, like AOC or the Netzpolitik guys in Germany, the people who, who want to, you know, basically um, use force to, to have their vision realized in the world, they are not interested in solving the problems that they want to solve being benevolent dictators themselves. They don't want them to be solved in any other way because then they just, you know, not important anymore. In a way, it's, it's a bit like, you know, Bitcoiners who think that they are hot shit and then they realize they're not hot shit and then they go to war with other Bitcoiners and have lots of discussions about maxis. And we have seen this time and time again, starting with Roger Ver and whatever, you know, trying to change Bitcoin so they can still be relevant. Um, so in a way, but yeah, so that's what I think. I, I, think li I like your thesis because um, it, it plays to the technocratic aspect of a lot of these folks and people. And you'd assume, you know, with that kind of background, you know, Germans usually are very good at OPSEC, privacy, security, this kind of stuff. And, and here you have a project that offers all of that. And, you know, they're all in. Well, I will give one shout out because uh, you mentioned it's not big in politics. One big shout out to Frank Schaeffler. Uh, so he's a member of the Free Democratic Party. Uh, he was actually, I, I wrote one article on him very early on. He, he essentially got the, maybe you remember it better, but he got a declaration, I think, from the finance ministry that Bitcoin can be used as private money like back in 2013. I think I remember that, yeah. So he, Frank Schaeffler, will give a shout out to him because he's, always been on Bitcoin's side and That's um, true. he's back in the parliament now in the Bundestag uh, which is good I think he's and on his, like... his party is part of the, the government but there is I mean oh he's been sidelined the, but... <laughs> the, the, the amount of hope I have for the German government is is zero um, they are not you know 
I don't I don't even want to get into that because I want to stick with with what's happening in the US <laughs> and with with politics. We got to give our shout outs where necessary. Yeah, yeah, sometimes I mean, we have small wins. Um, but you're you're very you're very right though that Bitcoin is now we now have political Bitcoin. And again, I don't think it's necessarily that they think Bitcoiners are a huge voting population because uh, if we're honest about it, probably most Bitcoiners don't even vote or are just so disgusted or feel so alienated from the process they're not going to. But the fact that these issues are being brought up in this way, and hey, maybe it is going to be on countering CBDCs, or maybe it is about you know people who just want to earn a living. Um, I will say one another part of positive news is that you had this uh, debt ceiling uh, debate. It's kind of a farce. Uh, but in that, they had this entire tax plan on Bitcoin miners. Um, so that was actually scrapped in the New Deal that was uh, signed by the Repubs and with Biden. So there will not be this additional 30% tax on Bitcoin mining, uh, which is um, a you know small win, but something good for Bitcoin. Absolutely. And it's, it's, I think that the debate about central bank digital currencies is only starting, at least in the US. Again, Europe is, you know, not doing anything really. We are, I don't even, I don't even know where to start. There is no debate in Europe. There is nothing. It's, it's, it's complete, it's a complete shit show. But um, in, in the US, you have this debate. You have you'll you'll see um, states standing up to the fe- to the feds, basically saying no, we don't want your digital coin. And and I think that you know the debate about the digital um, uh, central digital currency and even the digital euro will be an opening to talk about Bitcoin again because you only really understand. I mean, that the main problem with central bank digital currencies in the mainstream is that people don't get it because there is no nothing that. There is to get. There is no advantage to um, the normal people using CBDCs. There might there, there are many advantages to using Bitcoin, but using Bitcoin is still you know doing Bitcoin is still a bit hard. You know we're still early, so um, but there is no advantage to the CBDC, so people don't get it. And then when you contrast it with Bitcoin, it gets uh, very clear. I think CBDCs will be extremely successful in turning um, bankers into Bitcoiners as well, because bankers are now pitted against their own central bank. Which they should be anyway, um, and and I think we're gonna have a huge narrative uh, around CBDCs that's going to be very negative for banks because we've been building up this this um, um, this um, narrative that goes against the banks for for decades now. We've been you know banks are always the bad guys. I'm not saying they're the good guys, but what I'm saying is that you know ne- nobody ever talks about the role of the central bank in um, in basically destroying the economy. Um, and, and now the central bank, you know, can ride in on their white horse and always say, you know, save the people. And with the CBDC, it will be even easier to drop the banks and save the people. That's that's what we've seen. And 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 when you even when you look at at uh, when you look at the Genesis block, right? When you look at Chancellor and second bailout for banks, um, it's it's easy to just you know think ah the banks are the problem again. But the problem is the bailout itself. The problem is that the banks get bailed out. The problem is not that the banks do stupid stuff. The banks, you know, are going to do stupid stuff. Like people are going to do stupid stuff, but they should not get bailed out. They should just be, 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 uh, you know, let fail, right? Um, and the problem is, of course, the bailout because the bailout ends in inflation and the debasement of the currency, and that's where we are now. So, um, but I, so. I think that the banks should turn against the central bank digital currencies rather quickly, and I think that they have enough of of a lobby to to at least you know slow down the project, um, or you know um, 
you know, pare it down to such a small thing that it doesn't matter anymore. But we we will know. I mean, in October, the ECB will say that they will, will come to the decision that they are going to do the, the digital euro. And then we're going to have, I hope we're going to have a bigger debate in Europe because um, we should have a debate about this. At Christine Lagarde will make sure that everyone is taken care of. Uh, I'll give a little bit of insight uh, for the Fix the Money listeners here. Um, so I, I do work on Bitcoin policy in the U.S. And I will say... I won't name names, but there's a lot of state lawmakers who have come to me and want to write a bill against CBDCs in their state. So there are multiple states now where people have approached me for that, and we're working on the language. It's going to be a bit different than than Florida. I can get into that and <laughs> probably at another time. Uh, but there is of interest with many state lawmakers, which again proves why it's important to have decentralized political structures and why it's something that Bitcoin in itself being decentralized is also a virtue because you can oppose this kind of stuff. We don't live in societies where essentially one person makes the rules and that's it and everyone else has to follow. You know, we have deliberative bodies, we have voice, and we have exit. We have both abilities in at least our liberal democratic countries, which is why we have to make the case in our countries, but also in all the other countries where they don't really have a choice. So all the better to get people onto a Bitcoin standard, get them using Bitcoin and doing Bitcoin. I think I think that because you said we don't know how much of a political force Bitcoiners are gonna be, uh, are going uh, are already. I think we're going to see this now, and I think it's going to be interesting because because yes, you know, Bitcoiners might not be um, a huge part of the voting population, but the ones who are going to vote are going to be single issue voters. And they don't care. I mean, one thing that is that is really interesting about Bitcoin is that you start really, you know, letting go of any um, left-right thing about uh, polit- about politics. You let go of all the politics. You know, you see them all as one big blob of shit, right? And and lying, cheating, corrupt, which they are basically in in the in the in the uh, in the big picture. But, and this is my, my transition now to Prague, where we're going to be next week. Um, I'm going to do, uh, do a piece. No, not a piece. I'm going to do a debate there as a moderator. I'm going to actually open up Prague with um, your friend Matthew Mashinsky, who has been on the, on the show before, um, with uh, my friend Rahim Dagsadegan and uh, Ioni Appleberg from Sweden. Um, and we're going to talk about the state of Europe, and I think that it's important to not be too negative. Um, we're going to be in the in, in in Prague, which is you know historically, or at least you know recently historically, is part of Eastern Europe, and they have done done socialism, so they don't want more socialism. They are going to stick with it as long as money comes from Brussels, but as soon as the checks dry up, it's gonna be it's gonna be everybody for themselves. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to to talk about this with other European Bitcoiners, and it's also going to be interesting to see like the the the, the what's going on in in other countries because that's the one problem in Europe we don't have a European you know public because of the languages, so we don't really know what's happening um, in in France or in Spain or in Eastern Europe, and it's going to be extremely interesting. So if you want to join us next week, if you want still on the fence about going to Prague, I, th- I say you should use the code uh, NicoPrague as one word. And if, if you pay with Bitcoin and you use the code, I think you get uh, 21% off um, of your, your purchases. Prague is beautiful. The weather is going to be nice, I hope. Um, it's not weather advice, but I hope it's going to be nice. And the beer is going to be very, very good and pretty cheap. 
Yeah, and I think the Czech Bitcoin community is uh, one of the strongest that we have. They're normally kind of under the radar because they're busy building. <laughs> uh, but I think it's going to be a great affair. I know there's already a, tons of people that are going there. I'll be participating in a panel on peer-to-peer uh, -peer and no KYC practices, which is interesting. So Marek Palatinas, who is a co-founder of Satoshi Labs, uh, the makers of the Trezor. Uh, Anna Hoddle, uh, who's over there at Hoddle Hoddle, uh, which is a great uh, sort of peer-to-peer -peer service, I believe based out of Latvia. And then uh, Juraj Bidnar, who's a big cypherpunk author, entrepreneur. Um, he plays a lot with privacy coins. He plays a lot with Bitcoin. And it's given us some very good philosophical knowledge on a lot of this stuff. And like the schedule is just so jam-packed. Um, it's really going to be it. great, man. Yeah. It's going to be great. On, on, on Friday, the 9th, I'm going to do a short keynote on why Bitcoin is better money than basically CBDCs, than you know, what the central banks have in, in, in store for us. Then that afternoon, I'll be the MC on the side stage, which is going to be fun because that's the afternoon that Sailor is on the main stage. So it's <laughs> going to be a very you know, intimate meeting. Um, and on Saturday, I'm actually going to be on, I think it's going to be the side stage and have a panel, you know, participate in the panel on central bank digital currencies. Uh, it's a topic that I don't like to talk about but it's a topic that we seem to be talking we, we seem to need to talk about and it's something that i've gotten into in detail over the last couple of uh, uh weeks you know because you always have to see you know what they're talking about and what the plans are and what's so on so i think prague is going to be amazing i i really do and i'm very much looking forward to next week and really big shout out to the team and to, to matthias and his brother i mean the conference they put together the speakers the schedule just how everything looks uh if if the sketches and the AI-generated images that they're putting up on on Twitter or and Noster, uh, you know, show us the truth, then it's going to be an awesome affair. This is my first ever Bitcoin conference. Uh, oh, really? Know. Yeah, you're normally a, a seasoned veteran of these things. This is the this is my coming out party, as it were. Okay, well then um, we have to meet Yell in Prague. I'm going to be there. There's a long list of people. Some have been on the podcast. Some will be on the podcast. Um, Yell, anything else besides, you know, telling people to follow us on, on, on Substack? Like yeah. I said, we're going to double down on the Substack. We're going to have more content there. We're going to have less content um, video-wise because we, we want to, you know, concentrate on the, on the quality of the podcast, right? Um, and the topics. Yeah, I, I would say if you're listening now on the Substack, do yourself a favor. Uh, you're subscribed there. You get to read the articles, listen to the podcast, but also do try out a podcasting 2.0 app, something like Podverse or Fountain. Um, and they knew, they have all these new features, chapters, live integrations, and the ability to boost. So you can send small amounts of Satoshis to send your support to show us that we're doing a good job. And uh, we will be reading messages of those who do send in those boosts. Um, I've seen at least on Nico's side, uh, particularly on his German program, uh, the support has been outstanding. Uh, hopefully we can translate that over to fix the money as well. And we can continue to spread the message, man. I uh, look forward to Prague and, and hopefully meeting a lot of you guys out there. Excellent. Thank you, Yael. Um, you'll find us at fixthemoney.net and in Prague next week. All right, let's do it. Let's do Bitcoin. Let's do Bitcoin. Bye-bye. <laughs>
For more content, articles, and podcasts like this, go to fixthemoney.net.